Welcome to another episode of the Precision Health Pod, where we talk to the people building and experiencing the future of health. Today, we want to welcome Tara, the founder of Rupa Health, a simpler way for practitioners to order lab tests. Welcome. We're so excited to have you. Thanks, Rachel. Um, stoked to be here. We'd love to get started with hearing just a little bit more about you. How did you get to where you are today and and what is Rupa Health doing? How did I get to where I am today? Um, I, I love that question um, because it's just like, it is a compounding of so many decisions, serendipitous moments, like getting lucky. Like it's a compounding of all of these things that I think got me here to this seat today where we're running this company um, and doing what we do. And the way I think about it, looking backwards is just, I could have never predicted it, but I think that there was um, always this thread of chasing aliveness and really under trying to understand what it means to be fully alive, like throughout my life, um, whether that was happiness, whether that was health, whether that was just vitality. I've always been really interested in just what makes humans humans and what makes us alive and feel great. And so I've been through my own personal health struggles. Um, I've been in the tech world. And I think where we are today is just kind of a combination of personal, like deep passion combined with what I think technology can do for the world. I love that. It sounds like it's kind of been a long time coming. So as you think about taking this kind of love of understanding what makes human human, trying to find that vitality, how did you take that and, and kind of build your company? How did you start and and what have you guys done since then? Yeah. So we we technically started with this product about three years ago. So what we do is we have a platform that brings over 30 uh, different lab companies, specialty lab companies into one place for a single sign-on for practitioners. So we have about um, over 3,000 different tests in one place that practitioners can access without having to go to each individual lab portal, get education on it, understand the pricing, order it for their patient, have to log into 30 different lab portals to, to um, get the results and things like that. And so where this started was a realization that there's a crucial component of the healthcare system that's missing. And the way that we think about it is there is a space between wellness and healthcare that needs to be filled or needs to be merged. And it's kind of just our lives when we think about, um, you're very familiar with this, but when we think about what's happening with the um, the chronic illness epidemic that we're dealing with, where one out of every two people is dealing with a chronic illness, is at least one chronic illness in the US today, and we don't have good solutions for most of these illnesses. At best, we're managing symptoms. And I think managing even is a strong word. Sometimes it's just numbing or suppressing. And I think what's happening is that people are really getting frustrated with living in a state that's not optimal health or even like passable health. And people are getting frustrated and they want to spend their dollars elsewhere. And I had this personal experience. Um, I had this experience myself. So basically like in college, I showed up and ended up, it's a long story, but I ended up getting sick and not feeling great and gained a ton of weight, had no idea what was going on with my health. It was the first time that I felt brain fog and sluggish and depression, like all of these different things. And I had no idea where it was coming from. And it just got me on this path of nutrition and understanding what that is. And then slowly over time, realizing that there's this world of what we call at Rupa root cause medicine, which is basically instead of simply managing the symptoms. It's what if we get to the root cause of illness? And what if we actually understand what's going on with our bodies at a biochemical level so that we can 
really diagnose the root cause and solve it from there. And so that's what we do at Rupa. At Rupa, we um, we built this platform so that we can help practitioners get access to the testing that helps get to the root cause. So the types of testing that we do is um, everything from advanced hormone panels to stool and GI testing for microbiome to heavy metals to um, toxicity to all kinds of things, you name it. Um, it's, it's probably on route, but even epigenetic testing as well that can test your um, epigenetic age, which we know now is not the same as your uh, your chronological age. And so what we do is we bring all of this into one place. And the way that it happened was just pulling that thread of I don't feel good. What's going on with me? And then, oh, wow, my friends don't feel good. What's going on with them? And then discovering this world of root cause medicine, ultimately my mom getting sick, helping her. And then now here we are today. Such a moving story as you think about kind of A, you're solving for yourself, but you're solving for so many other people around you as well. Um, And as you think about this chronic disease epidemic, which I'm fully aware of as well, it's it's just an unfortunate situation where, especially in the US, where so many people are are so sick and they just don't feel their best. Um, As you think about trying to solve that, what are the conditions that you're really focused on? Like how can how can testing really make a difference in in these conditions and how would someone even get started to figure out, all right, I'm not feeling good. What tests do I need? How do I think about this yeah. um, and really start to feel better? Yeah. The, and, and I think this is a tough part because there's um, a lack of understanding of options, I think, for most people of what's really out there for me and what what could I even try in terms of options? What kind of doctor could I go see? Most people are used to just going to their primary care physician, getting their annual you know, maybe their annual physical, which is probably like 10 to 15 biomarkers. And what we see is going to a root cause or functional integrative naturopathic. Like there's so many different terms that kind of fall under this umbrella and so many different schools of thought that fall under this umbrella of what we call root cause medicine. But really when you start with a practitioner like that, that's when they are going to be the support system and helping you understand what tests are are really valuable for you. So we don't, as Rupa, really take care of, um, sorry, we don't, as Rupa, diagnose specific illnesses or illness types. What we do is we support the practitioner. And what our practitioners are seeing are tons of autoimmune, women's health, infertility, um, we're even seeing like tons of GI issues as well. We're seeing just like a hypothyroidism, things like that. A lot of thyroid conditions that have been um, misdiagnosed and misunderstood and mismanaged. So kind of all across the board and then overall energy, sleep, performance. And what's really interesting is I think when people think about you know, functional medicine, root cause medicine, they think, oh, that's just the 1% biohackers. And it's the people who are just trying to optimize their life. Like it's not really doing much for the world. And what we actually see is the stories that we hear from patients, there's just through our customer support. And we're not a doctor, we're just a lab testing platform are incredible. It's, it's, it's so moving because the people who we're helping are literally people in the highest need. I mean, we get messages like one um, came in the other day and it was, I I have been housebound for two years and so sick. I'm anxious to find answers. I'm a mom. I struggle every day. Do you know when my test results are going to come in? And that's the kind of, those are the kind of people we're helping. And last thing I'll say on this, which I think is really interesting is people think it's just 
San Francisco, LA, New York, you know, these are the hot pockets. But when you look at the map of our patients, it is all across the United States. And that's unfortunately because one out of every two people in the United States is dealing with a condition that they have not been able to solve for over a year, which is what a chronic chronic illness is. And it's not just localized to the populations of um, high net worth or, you know, in the coastal areas. And this is such an important topic. And, and we see this at routine as well, where um, there's all of this stuff that's happening in the biohacker world that can really be applied to the everyday person. Um, and that's everything from lab testing to how do we use technology to how do we create tailored solutions? How, how do providers create tailored solutions for those people? And one of the big, biggest problems that we see is, is that physician panel that you mentioned, the 10 to 15 biomarkers. Mm-hmm. It was decided at some point by some person, these are the 10 to 15 biomarkers that every single person should be looking at in their annual physical. When we're yep. all so different, we all have such different levels. I mean, some of us are moms. We just had babies. Some of us are chronically stressed because we're working like all the time um, and not understanding all of those points and just relying on that physician panel is can be so harmful for so many people. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's it's wild when I... when the aha moment for patients happens when they realize that traditionally they've only been getting about 10 data points on their health. And when they come see a root cause physician, they're getting hundreds, if not thousands um, of data points on their, on their health. And they're starting to realize that there's so much more to the story and the possibilities are truly like right now is the best time that we have ever had in history to be our healthiest selves. And I think that that is like the most exciting thing. Right now, we actually understand how our body works in ways that we did not before. The you know the microbiome wasn't even widely accepted 10 years ago, much less five years ago. It's, it's wild, the changes that have happened. It's really, really exciting. And now it's time to take those learnings and really bring them to everybody, as you're saying. It's not just for the biohackers. And a lot of that stuff can be used more widely. And that's where technology really comes in. And it's so great that you're building this platform that really helps practitioners be able to do this a lot easier. Um, and I think that's that's the key. That's what's really different in the last 10, five years. And probably what will be different going forward is this just advancement of technology to make it cheaper, more accessible, Absolutely. and easier to do um, for each individual. Um, Absolutely. And unless and, and like, if you think about it, a doctor it can, a single human can understand and explain 10 biomarkers in a seven minute visit, which is the average length of a of a visit in medicine today. A human being is, is not supposed to analyze and understand and explain 100 to 200 to 1000 biomarkers in a short visit. Like we need technology to really make um, all of these insights applicable and understandable. On that topic, where do you see AI fitting in with this? Um, it's obviously oh a, a huge topic right now. <laughs> I think it's really exciting in healthcare because of what you just said and kind of trying to figure yeah. figure all of it out. But I would love to hear your take on on, on what the future looks like and and how does AI play a role? I think it plays a huge role, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna come out and say it. I know it's hot. I know it's trendy, but the way that we've always thought about Rupa, not even in the last you know year of the Dolly GPT-3 like world going crazy and everyone realizing what's happening. Um, this is how we've always thought about the root cause medicine industry. When we, and this is what we've built off of, basically there are inputs. So basically, if you think about it, like we as a human, we can get this data from our lab testing and from our um, observational data as well, and from our wearables and things like that. 
when we bring all this data together, these are inputs. And then what happens is we need to build a system or a model to understand what these inputs really mean on a personalized level. And then from that, we have outputs, which is like a personalized treatment plan. And that's all root cause medicine is. It's taking these inputs, it's understanding what the model is, and then it's putting and giving some outputs. And right now we have physicians doing that. We have practitioners who are literally taking these lab results on PDF papers and they're looking at them side by side. And what makes that person great at what they do is they are the AI model in their head. They have seen a number of patients. They've seen so many case studies that they can understand pretty quickly that these insights mean this for your health. And because you have specific data points, this is the plan that you need to go on. And up until now, we've been relying on humans to do that. And I think that that is, um, that is like, really not the right way to use these practitioners. Practitioners are so valuable to the treatment, um, to, to, to the care journey in a patient's journey. We, we do not see, um, AI replacing practitioners at all. What we see is it enabling practitioners to actually spend more time helping with the, you know, 20% in the 80, 20 role, the 20% that really needs to be ultra personalized. That needs to be uh, more on the emotional side and the human side. And so I think that we have a huge way to go and we're going to see it in the next 10 years, I you know, five, 10 years, probably even faster, that these systems are going to help us get to conclusions about options, not necessarily the solution, but options that we should take in our health. And then we'll see practitioners using those and building off of them. Yeah, it's almost like the technology and the AI is able to give the practitioners superpowers and give the individual superpowers for that 80% of people that don't need the like hyper personalized that you just that you just talked about. Um, and as you think about kind of in 10 years down the road, we talked a little bit about how AI plays a, AI plays a role, but what else do you see is going to happen uh, within the healthcare industry? Like, What does our health look like in 10 years? Great question. Um, it's interesting because... I think what tends to happen is that in human history, there are new technologies that change how we live. And then we actually have to adapt as human beings to those technologies. And so if you think about it now, and this is like, I think about this a lot. When, you know, a hundred years ago, when we didn't have all of the technology that we have today, traveling anywhere was somewhat of a meditative experience if you were walking alone. You're with your thoughts, you're thinking, you're observing your external reality, and you're really present. And I think like we have squished a lot of these natural healing processes out of our lives because of the use of technology. By the way, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I think it's just that we need to learn how to adapt and really create the healthy lifestyles that will help us feel great. I think what's really interesting is I don't know how much you followed um, David Sinclair's work, but he talks about he he talks about um, his book Lifespan. He talks about how you can extend your lifespan by fourteen years just by doing the basic things: sleeping, eating well, hydrating, and then like time restricted eating. It's pretty simple, right? You can extend your lifespan by fourteen years. And so what I think is going to be our challenge as a, as humanity is really understanding how our lifestyles are going to adapt with this technology that so that we can actually live that way and do the basics. So that's just like on the lifestyle side. But I also think in 10 years, there's just enormous technologies that are actually helping us diagnose and, um, and actually treat illnesses a lot better. So we have these two combating forces. Like one is 
really kind of like a struggle and how we stay healthy and how we live our lives. And then the other is this exponential curve of us understanding technology and having more solutions than ever. And so I believe, um, and this might be like a spicy, spicy take, but I believe that it's going to be a lot more of our choice. Um, and what I mean by that is I think that humans like, no, I don't believe in a magic pill that's going to help us live healthier and live forever. It just, it, it, I don't believe in that. I think that if we want to be healthier as human, as a species, we need to take charge of that. And we need to decide that we want to be healthy and start incorporating these things into our daily lives. And, and then we can also benefit from everything else that's, that's, that is being built right now, but we need to make that decision. And what I think is really exciting is in the last year, two years, five years, people have started making that decision. 10 years ago, wellness wasn't a thing. Taking care of yourself wasn't a thing. Um, it started to grow and the wellness industry grew from nothing to $1.3 trillion, which is incredible. And also COVID has pushed us to think about our health more. So uh, all in all, there's going to be lots of opportunities for us to be healthier than ever, but it has to be our choice. And technology will likely make those choices easier because um, as we I think about so. this, this root cause or precision health approach, we're going to have so many more inputs, uh, each as an individual and providers that are helping the individuals to make much more informed, meaningful choices Absolutely. based on kind of where you are as a human, how you're living your life, where where you're living, um, what your health looks like, what your work looks like, um, and make these kind of small adjustments. So these simple adjustments, but really driven by based on all of the data, everything else we know about you and the rest of the population, this is what is going to help you the best. Um, yeah, which I absolutely. think is really exciting. We uh, have all the information. It's up yeah. to us to just put it into place. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think, one of the more interesting places where we are right now, this per proliferation of wearables, this proliferation of data. Um, it's the so what piece that um, I think is going to be answered in the next this year, next year, the next couple of years where, all right, all of this is really great, but what does this mean for the average person who doesn't have the time or the understanding of like taking this data and putting it into action? Uh, so the the solutions, the practitioners that are able to do that are going to really be able to move the needle with health as well. Um, Absolutely. And then as you think about your own health, so you're a founder in, in and around this space, you've had your own health journey. What do you do from a kind of daily health routine to make sure you're staying on top of your health and being the best founder and, and human that you can be? Oh my gosh. Um, so much. And it's an evolution, right? Because we go through different stages of life as well, where some are more chaotic, some are more, some are more calm, some are, you know, stressful. It's and we our health has to adapt and our habits have to adapt based on the stage of life that we're in. And so over the last 10 years, I've gone through multiple stages. And as you know, as a as a founder, um, a, a day feels like a week, a week feels like a month, a month feels like a year. So much happens. And staying on top of our health, I believe, is like one of the most important services we can be doing to the company for the company. Me showing up a hundred percent every single day is so important for the company. And so I, I take it pretty seriously. Um, I actually have I have so many things, but I have one of the things I did years ago was I wrote down my order of operations. So I literally have Tara's order of operations and I'll write down, these are the things that I need to do in this order to feel good. And number one is sleep. So I, I am a person who really needs my sleep. I am not the founder who stays up until um, until 5 a.m. I, I am the founder who wakes up at 5 a.m. But, <laughs> but I really believe in sleep first and foremost, because it's, because it's, it's the foundation for everything. 
it's sleep and then it's hydration. And I, I am that crazy person that carries around this like gallon <laughs> bottle of water. And I drink this every single day and more. It's a game changing. Um, and then it's eating well. And then it's journaling and mental health. And then it's working out, which I think a lot of people think is really interesting that working out is not one of my top um, top areas. But for me, what I found is those are those first pieces are actually the foundation. And if I don't do those, then my workouts are not going to have a good ROI. And so I do, I do all kinds of things. I journal every morning. The thing that I started doing recently, which has been totally game-changing, is I quit caffeine for the first time in 10 years. And I got to tell you, Rachel, I am shocked by the results. I have so, I mean, the first day was really rough. I was throwing up. I was having sweats. I was in bed for 16 hours. It's a drug. And I was weaning off the drug. And I was just curious to see what would happen. And I feel amazing. I have so much energy. I had to go for a run yesterday just to burn off energy like a little kid. And it's wild. That's been the most interesting thing that's happened. And what is really interesting about that is I recently did a genetic test and it told me that I have a a really strong ability to metabolize caffeine and I actually metabolize it really well. And so one would think that because of that, I'm totally fine with caffeine and that might be the case, but I found, and this is like where the nuance I think is really interesting comes in. You can be informed, but you ultimately have to listen to your body and make the right decision for you. And so it's been an interesting recent journey along that. Yeah. Just because you can metabolize caffeine well doesn't mean that you have the most energy you possibly can while yeah. using caffeine. Um, that's one that's becoming more popular that a lot of people are trying. I haven't tried it yet. I actually didn't start really using caffeine um, until business school. I, I did four years of investment banking with drinking like basically no coffee. Um, and so now I'm like, okay, well, I've done it before, so I should be able to do it now. Do it again. Um, yeah, exactly. The other really interesting thing about that, I forgot to mention, is that my anxiety and stress is gone in the last week. And I had, I mean, yesterday we had a board meeting. I hadn't even prepared two days before. It was a situation that I think most people would be stressed in and normally I would have been stressed in, but I was not. And that was the moment where it clicked for me where I did not have my anxiety and my stress. And it reminded me of me in college. So when I was in college, I didn't drink coffee and I was just like very happy-go-lucky, very go with the flow, very just like figured everything would be, I was like, yeah, everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be fine. Very optimistic. And I think I lost that a little bit over time. And I thought that was just life. And I think that this is a really important lesson because as we get older, as life gets more complicated, I think people tend to use that as a reason to not feel good. And it's not a reason to not feel good. And it's oftentimes not because like, it's not because of work that I'm feeling stressed. It's like other things that I'm doing to my body that's making me feel that way. And so just not letting getting older, working, like all this, all these things be excuses for not living our best lives is a new kind of like hill I'm willing to die on now. Yeah. And caffeine can have such an impact on cortisol levels, which obviously impacts your stress levels, but it also impacts anxiety and so many other. Oh, my cortisol is non-existent. I did a test. Totally non-existent. That's great. Um, It really sounds like it's, it's made a difference. Is there anything that you've tried that hasn't worked for you, whether it's products, habits, tools? Oh, tons. I try, I try a bunch of stuff. Um, What hasn't worked for me? Um, Like I, so I've done a Vipassana, like a 10 day silent retreat and I loved it, but incorporating like daily sitting meditation it's just not my thing. The way I get my meditation and my mental relief is by journaling, is by writing things out. And I think one of the things I learned is there's all these 
things that you feel like you should do or you're supposed to do or you need to do because every because other people say that it's good for you. And I I over the years have learned that actually listening to my body is the most important thing that I can do and getting re getting in tune with my body is a, a super important thing and I felt way better when I actually said I'm not going to meditate anymore. What I'm going to do is I'm going to journal or I'm going to do yoga. I'm, I'm going to do whatever makes me feel good. Another one that's like this is cold. So cold is like become really, really trendy. And I know lots of people really love it. My very not scientific way of real of deciding that cold is not for me is like recently I'm like, ah, it's epigenetics. You know, like my family's from India. Like we only had warm, you know, I was eating carbs and rice and mangoes. Like I wasn't in Nordic, you know, uh, eating fatty salmon and in the cold and I'm female. So like all these reasons make sense. My cold isn't good for me personally. <laughs> yeah that's another one I haven't people love it I haven't tried it um I think my anxiety levels increase every time I think about all right how am I going to going to do it um so I haven't I haven't made that venture I have started doing infrared saunas recently um and that's made a massive difference for me in my mental health uh in just in terms of like all right you're in there for 45 minutes um I do try to meditate while I'm in there uh Mm -hmm. but it's also um there's some research around wound healing. There's some research around kind of getting yeah. everything back to health. And this is like, I just had a baby 12, yeah. 12 weeks less. ago. Um, and so it's, it's been really helpful and I've really loved that new practice that I've, I've started adding in, but the cold, um, yeah. other part of it, I just haven't gotten there yet. Uh, which That's is incredible. Fine. The other uh, one is time restricted eating. That's been a game changer for me. My HRV doubles when I um, fast before bed. Yeah. I think, um, I think intermittent fasting is such a great tool for a lot of people. Um, and as you look at the stats where it's like 80 to 90% of people have some sort of metabolic dysfunction, um, and the intermittent fasting research around that has been incredible. I actually, I tried it as well. It, it does numbers for my energy and productivity. Um, but it's not always easy to get back on. Uh, and there are certain times of your life where you can't do it. Um, for instance, being pregnant or kind of yep. breastfeeding or, postpartum around that area. Intermittent fasting isn't the best. Um, according to the research that I've done, obviously check with your practitioner. Um, so I've recently got back into it and I think it's, it's a game changer for my. Yes. And, and I think women need to be really careful about it because like a lot of the advice out there is for men and the research is done on men. And, um, like I, I discovered that through my practitioners that women should not be intermittent fasting the week before their cycle. And I was like, Oh, that makes a lot of sense why I felt like total trash when I did a total a water fast right before my cycle. And so just, it's just these little things that just yeah. being careful about being in tune with your body on. Yeah. So important. Exactly. Um, and pay attention to who you are also, because yeah. so much, so much is out there. So much research, especially as you look at the nutrition industry, as you look at the health industry in general, um, it's all done on men. And so we're now yes. just getting to the point where we're learning, all right, how do we think about working out? How do we think about nutrition? How do we think about all of this related to being a female versus yeah. um, what men are doing and what's working for men? Uh, so it's a really exactly. interesting time for that that as well. Uh, so you mentioned journaling. You mentioned getting off caffeine. Is there anything else that you do for stress relief? Oh, my goodness. Um, no meetings. No meeting Thursdays. <laughs> That's a big one. And then so after we found product market fit, I implemented a like... I do not check my email on Saturdays. So actually like Friday evening to sat like Friday evening to the end of Saturday is my like Sabbath. And it is it that has done wonders for my mental health. And I think that a big piece of that is just feeling like there's a routine. One of my investors gave a really insightful thought on burnout, which I thought was great. 
early on. And I've, I've, I've used that to help organize my life. And basically he says, burnout does not come from working really hard. Burnout comes from working really hard without an end in sight. And for me, I was like, oh, that's really powerful because what we need is rhythms for if we're constantly doing, um, you know, crazy long days and there's no end in sight and there's no break, like it is really hard to keep going at some point. But when you have that built in, and for me, it was just like, I'm not just gonna, I'm not gonna check my email. Don't expect me to check Slack or email on Saturdays. And I did this after product market fit. It's been amazing. It's so important to do it in calendaring and just like having that schedule. Um, I, I set, or I try to set multiple days a week where I'm not doing any meetings. Uh, most of the time I get one, uh, but it's really important as you think, whether you're a founder or just like you're in yeah. a space where you need to be able to think it's important to let your mind wander and have that time and yeah. say, all right, this is what I really want to do. Cause as a founder, you do so much that you don't actually like. Um, yes. and then you do, you get to do so much that you love. And so those days you can plan around it. It's like, okay, this part of the week maybe isn't going to be the best, yeah. but I know that this day or this like few hours I can like build or I can research or I can dig in here or I can get all of this to do done. Um, and that's what I'm expected to do today. And just reframing that and having it every week is so important. Uh, yes. So I yes. love that that's worked for you too. It's It's been a huge game changer for me. I did it. I guess I started implementing it about a year ago. Um, oh, and it's incredible. been really, really helpful on my productivity is also skyrocketed because trying to do like individual tasks in between meetings is, is almost impossible. Yeah. It's doing the important work, not just the urgent work. Exactly. The, the other thing that I, that I re- realized about myself recently, um, is that I don't have any guilt about pausing in my work day to go work out. I think that working out has been normalized. Our physical health, taking care of our physical health has been normalized. Taking care of our spiritual and mental health has not been normalized. And I have a lot of guilt around, I'm going to pause and have two hours of just think time in the morning to work on the biggest things and not, not be in Slack or not, not check my email, things like that. Um, I have a lot of guilt around, uh, doing, doing a lot of these things that I know are good for my mental sanity and my spiritual health, which is just an interesting thing to note. I don't, we haven't normalized it enough to feel good about taking, taking a break yet. I'm totally working to change that. Actually, everybody who comes into Rupa, we have something called a vitality plan. And so everybody makes like a plan for this is how, this is what I need to do to feel my most alive, most alive state to feel vitality. And then managers check in with their direct reports and say, Hey, are you doing this? And how are you feeling? Because if you're burning out and you're doing it, that means that something in your plan is wrong. And if you're not doing it, well, you need to be doing it because then you're going to, you know, then you're going to burn out at some point. And I think that's been really helpful. It stemmed from me building like my order of operations and like building my vitality plan. But I think there's still a long way to go with like us even understanding what it is that takes care that we do to nurture our spiritual and mental health. That's so true. And I love that kind of the way that you're approaching that from a vitality plan and, and making sure employees are are paying attention to it as well. Uh, one of the best things about being a founder in this space that I've seen is, is a lot of people we all value our health and we all value our team's health because we're building in health and we see all of these things that can happen. Um, and so this new age of founders where it's not about, as you mentioned kind of earlier, it's not about staying up till 5am every morning. It's not about like eating bad, not working out just like 24 seven on your computer. You just can't show up and build the way that, yeah. that you need to. Um, and having leaders that recognize that, that pay attention to their own health and then supporting the, the employees too is, is such an important piece of it as we think about how health can improve as we go um, into the future. 
It's interesting though because we are like we are a startup, right? And we do need to work hard. And I think the way that um the the way that we've built that and the way that we think about that at Rupa is human beings actually like we are born to feel progress. Like that that is part of our our genetic code. I mean, it's not actually part of our genetic code, but I think if we understood it, it'd be part of our genetic code, right? That that's a, that's more of a that's more of a of a metaphor, but. It, feeling alive is feeling progress in our lives. And I think that's a huge part of the role we play. Like you join Rupa because you do want to work really hard and you do want to see what you're capable of and you want to grow and you want to learn. And so I think it's really interesting because like we've developed this culture of real intensity where people are working really, really hard. Like they care about there. Like we all care about this mission. We all really care about the work we're doing. We all want to do great things in the world. And um, and we realize that our health is the foundation of it. And so I think this old version, it's like this old notion of it's either work or health is is really wrong because in many ways, doing great work nourishes our spiritual health. And we need that. We need to feel purpose. We need to feel drive. We need to feel motivation. All of those things are emotions that are necessary for us to feel positive. And, um, and I think actually like working in a space really hard and showing like working to your max is actually really good for us. And I think that that's that's why people join startups like yours and, and ours. That's so true. I mean, you can work hard and have good health and pay attention to what you need to feel good because you can work to your max, but you know what your max is and you know how to get take that break and then actually yeah. push past, past it. So it really, it really matters. Um, and it's so helpful to think about that from a team perspective yeah. as well. Um, and then as you think about everything that you've done over the course of your career and and building this this amazing company, approaching the root cause uh, health of root cause health, how would you kind of approach doing that again? What advice would you do, give to your to your younger self or if there's people kind of in your shoes oh my goodness. where you were? Um, what would you say to them? It's it's so funny because there's so many times I look back and I'm like, man, if I could do this over again, we would have done this a lot faster. <laughs> but I say that a little bit in jest because um, my advice is just start. Like life compounds. Like if it, it, it's the phrase, um, you know, the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago. The next best time to plant a tree is now. Like do it now. Like my, my biggest advice for people is you can do so much more in five years then you realize. And it's not one year times five. It's compounded. And the power of compounding is so valuable. And so when I think about when we started, I just think about like, I, you know, I graduated from grad school and I took the job that everybody wanted to take against my like intuition. It was a sexy head of product job at, um, at like a cool startup. And it was a great salary equity, blah, 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 blah. And six months in, I totally hated my life. And I was like, this this needs to end. And I, looking back, I should have just started then. I knew what I wanted to do. And so the advice I have for people is like, just start. You're, you're not going to know how to do anything. I'm still learning how to do things, you know? I, I, have, I have no idea how to be the CEO that I need to be in a year or two years, but I know I'm going to be that person because we grow into it. We're never ready for it. We get, it's, we just we just show up and we figure out how it's done. And so that's the biggest piece of advice I could give people. 
So smart. I, I always talk about kind of that that one percent getting one percent better every day, um, and being okay with not knowing. Uh, and if yeah. you just say, if you sit there and say, I don't know this, and I'm okay with that because I trust that I will figure it out. Um, and if I get better, one percent better every single day, I'm going to show up to be that person, um, and maybe even better than than kind of what I'm thinking about sitting here today. Uh, Absolutely, such great advice for kind of everything, not just founding a company, but as you think about goal setting or, or in your career, how can you get better and how can you be more comfortable with the not knowing? Because then it'll allow you to kind of run through walls and, and take the risks that you yeah. might not. Might and, not. and do the thing that you want to do. Like life's too short to not do the thing that you want to do. Um, if you're if you're thinking about, I, I, I strongly believe that if you're thinking about career progression in a framework that you haven't built yourself, then you're living for someone else um, versus living for yourself. It's very, very insightful to think about it that way. Um, I love that. Well, thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. Last question is just how can people find you um, and find Rupa Health online? Um, Anywhere. Oh my gosh. I need to update. My, my personal website is like so old at this point. It's embarrassing. Um, but it's just tarviswinoffin.com. I'm on Instagram. I'm kind of on Twitter. I think it's... I'm. That's a that's a whole other story. I feel like Twitter is just people like who love to fight with each other. <laughs> like this is not good for mental. But um, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on all the socials. You can find us at Rupa Health, Rupa underscore Health on Instagram, RupaHealth.com. Um, I'm horrible at email, but you're welcome to email me. <laughs> My email is available online as well. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was so fun to talk talk to you, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us. Madden and Mitchell Media.